I wish I could explain to you what it felt like. I swear the rest of the world got quiet for a minute, stopped breathing for a minute, looked to the sky for just a minute. I know I did. Because how do you speak or breathe or do anything but lift up your eyes when a baby is born? Mary told me it was time, that the baby was coming, and she looked afraid. I leaned down and held her hand and told her it would be all right, that God would protect her, and that I would be there. But I'm not sure if she even heard me. She seemed to be lost in her own heartbeat. I wanted to help with every bone in my body, to be useful in some way, but there wasn't much for me to do, so I paced. I held her hand. I muttered some angry words under my breath about being far from home words for Emperor Augustus, but really rooted in my own fear of inadequacy. So I asked her what I could do, but she couldn't tell me because she's never done this before either. So I prayed. Mainly, I prayed. I prayed with every breath I had. Dear God, please take care of her. Take care of him. I'll give you my own life. Just please take care of them. I have never been so afraid. I know it took hours, but I will mostly just remember moments, glimpses of the night. I will remember the time Mary briefly pulled from her haze of pain, looked up just long enough to lock eyes with me. I have never felt more important in my life. I will remember how the room felt too small and altogether too big at the same time. I will remember the tears caught in the back of my throat, impossible to get rid of, forever threatening to break me down. I will remember his little hands and toes, all there, curled up and warm. I will remember the way she looked at him, holding him close to her heart, and then the way she fell asleep, once again lost in a heartbeat, but this time not her own. I will remember holding those bands of cloth, so ready to wrap them around his tiny body, so willing to give him anything I had to help keep his soft skin warm. I will remember the shepherds, wrinkled and confused, curious and eager. I will remember the way their knees left indentations in the hay. I will remember the moment that I realized that this child is not my own. This child is the world's. I am a father, and I will cling to that identity even if it makes no sense, even if this child is for the world and not just for me. But I want to be his father. When he's older, I will tell him about his mom. I will tell him how I prayed and how she loved him. 
in sync with his heartbeat from the day he was born. I will tell him about the shepherds, wrinkled and confused, curious and eager, and the way they bowed. And I will tell him that I love him. I don't know how often he will hear it from the rest of the world. So maybe that's how I can help. That's what I can do. I don't even know if he'll look like me, but I will tell him I love him with every bone in my body. Your father's arms tenderly catch you Your mother's tears baptize your head I keep replaying moments and memories from that night, the night of Jesus' birth in my head. The memories slip into my mind like a sink with a steady drip. But I wish they would rush in like the Jordan, for that night was the night my whole world changed. It was the night I became a mother, and if I could relive every starlight-stained memory, I would. I remember feeling Jesus kick. I felt the pressure. Something inside me knew it was time, even though I had never done this before. I longed for my mother to be there, for my sisters too, anyone who knew anything about childbirth. However, we were in Bethlehem, days from home, so I tried to remind myself that I was strong. I tried not to cry. I took a deep breath, put my hand on my stomach, and turned around to tell Joseph. He must have sensed it in my breath, for he was already there, eyes locked on me, waiting to respond to whatever I needed, like a bird waits for a reply to sing its refrain. There are moments from that night that blur together, either from the pain or the confusion of it all. However, certain moments come back as clear as pictures. I will never forget the way Joseph, my new husband, my sweet husband, took my hand, reminding me that he would be there for me. I will never forget the smell of the hay, which so quickly threw me back to innocent childhood days playing in the barn. I will never forget the edict-enforced absence of my own mother or the fear in my chest that I would somehow mess up God's plan. I will never forget the way we cried. And I will never forget how light he felt in my arms the first time I got to hold him. He was almost as light as my heart, which was undoubtedly flying 10 stories above us in joy. People always say children grow up too fast. I never experienced that until now. We are only a few days into his sweet little life, and my mind already bounces from memories of mangers and shepherds and his tiny hand clasped around my finger to anxious anticipation of the long road ahead. I probably shouldn't be anxious because I do not know what will happen to him, but I imagine that all mothers are a little anxious. How is it possible to bring a baby into the world and not want to protect his thin skin from cold air and harsh words? How is it possible to love him with his very first breath and not want to give him your bones if it meant sticks and stones wouldn't hurt his? I don't know what will happen to him. However, I do worry. I worry already. So for today, I will do what any mother would do. The only thing I can do, 
Today I plan to hold my baby just like I did on that cold night. Today, I will hold him with both arms, curling him into the curve of my neck so that I can feel his breathing. Today, I will kiss his nose and tickle his toes and wrap him in my softest blanket. Today, I will allow myself to be captivated by his wonder with the world, and I will celebrate every tiny accomplishment he faces. Today, I will pray for his safety and well-being, and I will cherish new memories of yawns, grins, and heartbeats. I used to think that being a mother was a recipe of love mixed with discipline, or like a voice that could soothe even the most stubborn of heartaches. I realize now that being a mother means having a reservoir of love that can never run dry, that is unable to be filtered or kept at bay. So even though I don't know what will happen to him, Jesus is my son. I have the starlight-stained memories to prove it. Thus today, I will hold him with, open, with both arms wrapped tight. I will kiss his nose and rock him when he cries and pray that some part of his memory will remember this love when he is old. This love that I simply cannot keep at bay. This love that rushes in like the Jordan. Be still, my heart, as light powers around us. Wonder has found us, Emmanuel. Have you ever had those moments when you realize you're falling asleep? Your mind is alert enough to know that you are sinking into comfort and warmth and there's no stopping you. It happens slowly at first and then all at once. My night was like that. It started out like any other night. It was cold that night, so the sheep all found each other in one clump, nuzzling their noses and ears into each other's sides. Babies curled up under their mother's necks. We shepherds were doing what we always do. We paced, we laid in the grass, we looked at the stars. We kept the fire going and we tried to stay warm. I rubbed my rough hands together, wondering who in the world would ever want to hold them. It was a normal night, a cold, quiet, lonely night. About halfway through the evening, I found myself flat on my back in the grass with a lone sheep curled up near my hip. I was tracing the shape of the galaxy with my eyes when the sky began to shift. I watched from where I laid as the sky opened up as if it had doors made of clouds and stardust, as if it had been waiting for that moment since the dawn of creation. And standing there were angels. They were beautiful. I would explain it if I could, but I am not sure that I can. The only thing I can say is that the harmonies of the angels have nothing on even the purest words of love I could ever voice. They were so beautiful, it hurt. And at the same time, I couldn't look away. I was captivated. It was terrifying and breathtaking. It was a little like falling in love. The angels told us there was a baby, 
They told us there was God. They told us we needed to go. And then they themselves went. I didn't believe them at first. Maybe I just didn't want to believe it. We had been waiting for this good news for so long. Could this night really be the night? If so, why would the angels tell me? I am not the senior shepherd among the group, thus my vote did not carry as much weight. So we went, our whole motley crew, sleepy sheep and all. I remember my bones feeling tired as we moved, stiffening with every cold step away from the fire. I tripped over every turn in the road because I could not take my eyes off the sky. I was addicted to the idea that the angels might come back and sing me another song. We must have taken at least a dozen wrong turns chasing that light. Somehow, miraculously, we got there. And it was like that moment right before you fall asleep. I fell to my knees, a victim of my own heavy bones. My mind closed off the rest of the world. And as I laid eyes on that little baby, I felt myself slipping into the warmest comfort and peace I have ever known. There was just no stopping it. It was true. What the angel said was true. There in her sleeping arms was a baby. She was young, asleep, and certainly exhausted. However, the baby was awake, his brown eyes open wide, his fingers wiggling to introduce themselves to one another. As I kneeled beside him, I felt tears well up in the back of my throat. It had been a long time since I cried. Yet quite easily, I found the tears running down my face, washing my dusty skin clean. The boy's father smiled at me through his own tear-stained face as if to say, me too. I reached out my rough, calloused hands, these hands that had never been held. I don't know what I was thinking, instinct, I suppose. But to my surprise, the little baby reached out towards me as well, wrapping his soft fingers around my rough, weathered pinky. All I know is that it is true. All of it is true. What the angel said, what we have been waiting for, this good news, it was all true. And he was here, asleep holding my finger. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were terrified. I worry a little bit about Christmas. Our daughters are home. Lydia is singing at this service, and, and Clara... Her little sister will be here for the next service, but just last week I was able to visit both of them where they are currently living. 
Lydia in Savannah, uh, where the already beautiful Victorian mansion avenues lined with live oaks dripping with Spanish moss are now highlighted with Christmas lights meant to celebrate the season, to be sure, but also to, to uh, highlight the spectacular architectural elements of those beautiful homes. From Savannah, I was able to fly to Madrid uh, to visit our other daughter, Clara, there for a medical internship and now to teach English and to explore for the year. Clara and I walked to the cobblestone and granite streets of that gorgeous and historic city to the tune of 25,000 steps and 20 flights of stairs, according to the health app on my phone. It's a little bit beyond my comfort level, but I had to keep up with her. Madrid has a deeply Catholic heritage, and the city is a spectacle at night this time of year with the Christmas-lighted streets and town squares. One of the reasons I'm able to do all this traveling is because my wife, Lori, has been a flight attendant for many years, so we're able to pass ride uh, when there's an open seat on the plane. Recently, she's been flying to some amazing European cities and walking through their incredible Christmas markets. She sends pictures home from Mainz, Germany, to Stockholm, Sweden, pictures of busy town squares and cathedrals all decorated with Christmas lights. Magical, we say. Magical. I worry about Christmas. We wrap it up so beautifully. We light it up so brightly that it can begin to feel like a lovely fairy tale to some of us like magic. But Christmas is so much more than fairy tale, more than magic. Christmas is for more than some of us. Christmas is truth in the midst of darkness. And Christmas is revealed to us in the darkness every bit as much as it is in the light. And maybe you uh, read that the Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness has been named one of only 13 international dark sky sanctuaries in the world. In fact, it is the largest designated dark sky sanctuary there is. Why do we need such places? Thankfully, the world is realizing that we are rapidly losing something sacred there. There is real beauty in darkness. Shining stars and northern lights are visible for one thing. They're always there, but in darkness we can experience them. Shepherds lived out there in the wilderness through all those dark nights where every noise is a potential threat to the flock, where most of us would be terrified a place we try to avoid at all costs because out there in the wilderness, we don't have control. Out there where cancer lurks or COVID-19 or SARS or RSV 
or loneliness or shame or unemployment or isolation, depression. People fear the wilderness for good reason. But not the shepherds. Not on this night. They were in their own dark sky sanctuary. That's where they lived. They were at home. Darkness was their friend. It brought relief from the hot sun of the day. It drew people together around small campfires where there was intimacy and togetherness, fellowship. You spend enough time in the darkness, you can begin to see the beauty it reveals. Shepherds can see in the dark. No HDTVs or tablets or laptops, no fluorescent office lights or motion detection security lights or smart phones or twinkling trees or lighted European cathedrals or Christmas markets or Victorian homes. The shepherds, like so many at risk or impoverished or oppressed people in the world today, make their home in the wilderness because they have no choice. And each new Christmas, some of us have more in common with those sheep herders than we have had in Christmases past. The darkness that comes early, the wilderness of an uncertain future, the wilderness of trying to provide safety and shelter for our families, even when they feel far from home. The good news of Christmas is that even in the wilderness, we are at home. God is with us, Emmanuel. The shepherds believed that religion was for other people, not for them so much, and really everybody else believed that too. God was for city people, for temple-going people, for Jerusalem people, not for herders scrounging out a living out there in the wilderness. But the angel says, to everyone in the dark, then and now, there and here, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Christmas is not a fairy tale. It may at times feel magical, but it is not magic. And Christmas is definitely not only for some. Christmas is gospel. It is good news for all the people. Right now, this moment, for you. In just a couple of days, literally, I will find myself up in the villages on the lower slopes of Mount Kilimanjaro in East Africa. Be there to visit and support some of our partners in ministry and outreach in that impoverished and sacred land. Two of the defining qualities that come to mind for me when I think of that place and those people are darkness and faith. As we descend in the jumbo jet out of the 
dark sky. Normally, when you're coming into an international airport, you expect to see the surrounding city all lit up, but here it is only darkness. And we come down onto the tarmac under that dark African sky and move through the villages with nothing but small campfires burning with darkness. And faith, the faith that lives so vibrantly in these people among our Lutheran brothers and sisters, we are so warmly welcomed and cared for. They gather this night. Emmanuel means God is with you right now in this place where you are. In your uncertainty or grief or your fear, in your joy, your hopefulness, you are not alone. You share this holy night with shepherds and Mary and Joseph and people all over the world who find themselves in some kind of darkness by choice or circumstance. There is beauty in darkness, holiness even, because in the darkness we learn two things. We are not able to make it on our own. We are. Never alone. Native American Episcopal Bishop Stephen Charleston wrote, I have heard that the afterlife is a place of perpetual light. That's a problem. Heaven needs night. Darkness is not evil, but a realm of mystery and imagination. The day is constant, but the night is creative. The stars dance. The moon dreams, the comets write poetry of fire. Without the night, there is no dawn or twilight, no moments of sacred ambiguity, no subtle changes of perception, no promises kept or just made, a holy pledge of healing or of hope. No, please, we need the night in heaven. We need that glorious darkness, that obscure beauty drifting on wedding clouds of white across an obsidian sky. Christmas is not fairy tale. It is truth. It is gospel. And out there now, in the dark sky sanctuary, the angel says to you, do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy that is for all the people. For to you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. To you is born this day the Lord. So go to the fields and go to the mountains Sweep out the shadows There's good news to tell And be still, no sorrow For joy has found us And grace to surround us Amen 
一。